Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Following CLNS Radio and Beats and Eats, June appearance at the Marriott Renaissance in Boston. Tyree sat down with CLNS Radio reporter Corey Prescott to discuss the success of the NBA draft party by Marriott Renaissance and Beats and Eats and Stitcher, and also how he got involved in CLNS Radio and the industry of podcasting. So I hope you will sit back, grab your drink of choice, and enjoy today's interesting conversation between Tyree, co-owner of CLNS Radio and Beats and Eats, and Corey Prescott, reporter from CLNS Radio. Yeah, yeah, thanks for uh, taking the time. Glad you could uh, take a little bit out of uh, time out of your schedule. I know you, you and Nick are uh, both pretty busy. No, thank you, and I want to thank you for coming to the event at the Renaissance in Boston. Tell me what your impressions were. I thought that was great. I mean... I've been listening to podcasts for a little while, but I've never really known what goes into it. Yeah. It was interesting seeing it uh, lots of, uh, and it seemed like the turnout was pretty good, you know? Yeah. We were, we were very pleased by the turnout at the hotel and just also the reception we got. It just, it was just an incredible event that went off much easier than we had anticipated because when we got there, we really didn't know what to expect. We were hoping that they would have a setup similar to what they had at the Renaissance, but in no way did we know that we have a table with microphones. And, you know, I brought my mic flags for both CLNS Radio and Beats and Eats, and those fit on there perfectly for our branding. Mm -hmm. And had no idea that they had this huge drop-down screen uh, at the hotel for Skype. We had no idea that they had that. And you know what, like, you and I have been having issues with Skype today. Yeah, yeah that they were going to have issues at the hotel. TD Garden is notorious for getting bad signal coverage out of. And Jared Weiss, our locker room reporter at TD Garden, came up perfectly. I mean, it was just, we couldn't have asked for anything more than we got at that event. It was pretty incredible. It was an amazing experience. I think, yeah, I think the only thing that could have been better is if the Celtics had uh, taken Embiid or Parker or somebody like that. Yeah, anybody that knows the Celtics in the draft lottery who's done their history knows the Celtics never have much luck when it comes to those things but I think Marcus Smart is going to be a fantastic player for the Celtics I expect him to start this year actually so lots to be done I think by Danny Ainge in the upcoming months so we'll just wait and see do you think he starts over Bradley no I I, I don't actually I don't see Rajon Rondo in town yeah that's no, I just yeah all indications I mean rumors keep coming out um, that saying where there's smoke, there's fire, you know? So Danny's definitely trying to deal. Well, there's been a lot of smoke for years and years and years when it's come to Rondo. And I think now more than ever makes the most sense to trade him because clearly the team is in a rebuilding mode, I, I think. And I don't have a problem with that at all. Oh, me neither. No, no. You know, people have got to be patient. Uh, as a guy that waited 
from 1986 to 2008 for an NBA title, I'm willing to wait a few more seasons to make sure all of this comes together. And Danny's collected this amazing, amazing amount of assets. And I still think he's he's in the works in, you know, even collecting more assets for to maybe to make a run at like, uh, could you imagine if Kevin Durant were on the team? Uh, I mean, that's my big dream. But That was almost a possibility back in uh, 07. It was. Almost. I, I, yeah. I sometimes think back to like what would have happened with Pierce had been traded, would uh, Big Al and Durant in the cornerstones, but it's revisionist yeah, yeah, history. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And sometimes the best deals you make are the ones you don't make, right? Exactly. So, yeah. it's, it's good that Pierce wasn't traded. I, I think people actually take for granted, though, the fact that a lot of things had to come together that year for the Celtics to win a title. It's just not that easy. It's pretty impressive, yeah. I mean, the uh, the Heat the first year, all that, all those expectations on them. They uh, they lost in the finals. They did. They lost. They lost to Dallas that year. You're absolutely right. So it just doesn't come together that easily. And if you really go back to 2008, the playoffs that year, people forget the Celtics had a real, real scary series against the Hawks. I, in the yeah. very first... I remember, remember that one. That was frustrating. Yeah, Cleveland too. That, that to go to game seven. seven and then they split the two our first two games rather with the Pistons and I didn't think they were going to get out of that series the Lakers series seemed to me to be the easier of all yeah, four series figure. Yeah. they always yeah. did things the hard way yeah so I just think Celtic fans need to be patient and go back to that season 2007 2008 and look at what Danny did and how he built that team it wasn't all about Kevin Garnett oh, no. and Ray Allen it was about getting players like Eddie House and James Posey and Leon Poe. And there were so many unsung heroes on that team that we don't talk about anymore. We mentioned that 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 year, that banner 17, and, and we should. So I think, especially, I don't mean to sound old here, uh, Corey, but I think for the younger generation, they think that, that it's like playing a game of Madden or Xbox. You know, you can just suddenly yeah, come up yeah. with a contender. And there's a lot more... Uh, work that's involved there. Look at the few NBA franchises that have actually won titles. It's short list. It's weird. Very short list. There's a reason for that. They have the best managers. I mean, they have the best owners and the best management. I have to wonder about the Lakers now since since Jerry Buss died because that franchise is a mess. But you know, they'll probably get back on track. I, I for one, I know we're supposed to be talking about the the Renaissance event that we had in Boston a couple weeks ago. But I for one. I feel very fortunate as a fan that the Celtics have Wick Rosebeck and Danny Ainge. I feel very fortunate. I do, and then the coaches too. I mean, I felt great having Doc, but I do think he left at the perfect time. Um, oh. We were transitioning, and Doc, for all of his strengths, he, his big weakness was never playing the young guys, never trusting the young guys. It's funny you say that because I remember, what year was it, 2012, the Celtics were really struggling to score points in that series, I think it was against the 76ers. Was that the semifinals before they took on the Heat? Yeah, yeah. Having a really hard time. And I remember going, why don't you play Etwan more, Etwan more, Etwan more? But no, instead we got more Sasha Pavlovich and old guard, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I think you're right. I think Doc is very hesitant to play anybody new, especially somebody that's only got one or two years in the league. So you're right on, on board there. And that's why I really like Coach Stevens. I, I, people were frustrated last year. We all were. But, I mean, what did we expect, you know? We're spoiled here. 
we are spoiled. <laughs> it's like I think people who expect Kevin Love to walk through that door and turn everything around. Even if the Celtics were to pick up Kevin Love, they're not a world title contender. Oh. Are you kidding me? I like Kevin Love. He, I think last statistics rated at first in our fourth game. We don't have anyone to protect the rim. So I mean, he would definitely want to improve things, but on the defensive end. And Rondo himself is overrated defensively, I think. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. And uh, I, I don't think there's a more polarizing player that I can recall on the Celtics than Rajon Rondo. Either people really, really love him and think he's like the most amazing player in the NBA, <laughs> or they they really don't care for him. And while I think that he had one of the most amazing stretches of playoff basketball I've ever seen in 2010, that the, the stretch that he had against the Magic and the Cavaliers mm-hmm. helping lead the Celtics to the, the finals against the Lakers that year was amazing. But I think that his highlights overvalue or overstate his abilities. I mean, the bottom line is the guy is, doesn't have an outside shot. He shoots 60% from the free throw line, uh, and he has deficiencies defensively. I, I don't. I guess I just don't see what everybody else sees. I mean, does he do things that are incredible sometimes and jaw-dropping? Absolutely. Yeah. But he is who he is, and I don't think he's going to get any better. And I think he's on the downside of his career, not on the upside of his career, especially coming off an injury. So I think if you're going to deal him, you deal him now. You get the most you possibly can for him. Yeah, I think his game is predicated on others. If you're yes. asking him to carry the scoring load, even as like a number two guy, he's not that. But when he had Hall of Famers here and he had guys that could score the ball, he put it in the right place. So I think he's sort of overrated and underrated at the same time, if you, if you know what I'm I saying. But, um, I, I agree. I, I think that he was underrated when Ray... Kevin and Paul were all playing together. I thought he never got his due, but now I think he's somewhat overrated. People still tell me he's like a top five player. I'm like, are you crazy? Yeah, Did you sure. lose him last year? Even a uh, top five point guard, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in that class. Not right now, at least. So, if, if I had a wish list, and this is just a wish list for me, I would love for the Celtics to pick up a guy like Greg Monroe, who is a Celtic killer. You want to talk about a guy that would instantly be the rim protector and, and give them what they need at that position. And then if you were able to bring in a, an Eric Bledsoe, if you were to, able to work a, or a Hibbert, just yeah, something, yeah, you know, yeah. if you were able to work a trade where you could pick up a center, veteran point guard. Actually, Bledsoe, of course, is not a, a veteran point guard. But but uh, somebody somebody to run the point. Because I don't know if Marcus Smart could run the point or not, even though I see yeah, he might I don't think shoot. he can, personally. Yeah. Yeah, although this would be the year to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we're probably already looking towards uh, next year's draft, unfortunately. But it's good. If you're a diehard, true fan, you know, these type of seasons kind of, they bring you out, you know. You're watching every game. You're, you're following the young guys. It's rewarding. It is fun. It's the, what I called it all of last year. It's the game within the game. I got a lot of pleasure out of watching Kelly Olenek. I'm from the Pacific Northwest, and that was just a lot of fun for me because I knew – I remember on draft night a year ago, people were like, Kelly Olenek, who is he and why would they draft him? Well, I think people know now. Uh, do I think he's going to be an all-star? Probably not. But I think he's going to be a quality NBA player that can help a team win a title. And I'm glad he's on Boston. I think he's got amazing skills for a guy his size. Yeah, he knows how to score the basketball. I mean, coming in as a rookie, I think he averaged almost almost 10 a game. And then he saw it towards the end of last season. He was putting up 
yeah, double doubles. Um, he's got great range. He can yeah. stretch the floor. He's a great passer too, by the way. Yeah. He's a tremendous passer for a guy his size. So I think that he's got tremendous upside. So while we're sitting here yeah, talking about it may be a rebuilding year. I still think it's going to be kind of an exciting year, too. We haven't even talked about James Young and what he could possibly bring to the team as far as shooting from the perimeter, which is something the Celtics sorely lacked last year. They were horrible from the perimeter. Yeah, they were. I think he's he's kind of an unknown. He's only a freshman. He kind of flew one of the car. The only thing I remember is from that, uh, that title game that Dunkey had over, uh, I don't know who it was. It was on UConn, though. Yeah, great. Uh, Great program, Kentucky. You know, it's just got such a great tradition. So anybody that, I'm not going to say anybody that comes out of there is going to be a quality NBA player if they're drafted, but he certainly has a lot of skills, I think, that could help the Celtics. Once again, I was surprised they took him, but I thought they might try to take a flyer on a big man. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's really interesting to see how this roster is set up. I mean, there's such an overloaded guard in other positions and yet no big man. Although Tyler Zeller, what are your thoughts on that? I was kind of intrigued by that pickup. I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, he's he's in his third year. He's a cheap option. Right now, we're not going to be able to re-sign Humphreys. And Vitor is um, he's kind of an unknown. I don't think he can stay healthy or is uh, good enough defensively. Zeller kind of brings a you know, smarts, good mid-range game, uh, pretty good rim protector. Yeah, not ideal, but he's he's solid. It's a low cost, uh, you know, high reward option. You know, people are criticizing Danny. Here he gets. I think Zeller was what a 17th pick in the draft. Is that right? Some, yeah, something there. Yeah. First for like nothing. Yeah. I mean, Danny gets nothing. So I, I don't understand the criticism with uh, that that deal at all. So anyway, getting back to the uh, event we had in Boston, what did you want to talk about? I mean, I had a I had a whole. Uh, host of questions. I know Seahawks uh, as a whole was kind of going through um, a lot of changes, a lot of good stuff going on. Um, yeah, stuff. I was just wondering if you could uh, expound upon that a little bit. Well, we certainly feel like we've added real quality podcasters. I know that we're really known for our post-game show, which I don't know if you've listened to that over the years, Corey, the CLNS Boston Celtics post-game show, which we really are proud that after every single Celtics game, postseason, regular season, even preseason, we've been able to actually cover the games with even a locker room reporter at home. So we are the only show in town in Boston when it comes to doing a postgame show. And I want you to think about that. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, the uh, the sports house just started um, doing the games, but they don't have a postgame show, right? They don't do a postgame show, and they certainly don't take callers. And we take callers from all over the world, which is amazing in itself. I mean, we have callers from, we've had callers from Peru and Italy that, Serbia, that call in on a regular basis to get their Celtics fix. And I think that that really validates what we do at the postgame show. The other thing that we've really tried to do too, is we've really tried to strengthen our bench in terms of our on-air talent. And I don't know if you've heard the baseline recently with Cal Lee and Warren Shaw. I may have. I just, I just started, uh, listening to some of the podcasts. I may have uh, okay. come across that one. Yeah, it's a great NBA show. We also have uh, Inside the Game with uh, Stats Adam Lowenstein. And Stats Adam, of course, is like Sean Grandy's right-hand man. So we can't we can't get any closer to the Celtics than that, which is really cool. But we've got, 
I think a great stable of shows. If you're a fan of the Celtics, we are a great place to come to. And I never think the Celtics get their due in Boston. I know because it's such a huge Red Sox town. It's so Red Sox heavy, even when they don't play well like this year. I agree. I agree. Uh, it's, it's turned into a big hockey town. Uh, of course. You know, baseball is always going to be there. And the Patriots, with their success, I think a lot of that's kind of people shying away from the NBA in recent years, not really liking the product. Do you think that's an accurate statement? Oh, I do think that's an accurate statement. And I remember I was vacationing uh, in New Hampshire one year, and I looked all over the place for Celtic gear and couldn't find it. And I was walking around, and every bar, every home had the Red Sox game on. It was incredible. I thought that was really cool. But at the same time, you think about a, a franchise that, has 18 championship or 17 i wish it was 18 championship bands i have ever 18 on the mind uh, 17 championships and I, they always play second rung and I, I just found that to be interesting that may not have always been the case though i don't know i'd really like to talk to a long-term bostonian about that like in the 60s late 60s early 70s were the red Sox king i, I guess they might have been because i'm thinking back to what 1967 even though they didn't win the world series they were against the cardinals you had yastrzemski and some of those great red Sox teams um even before i was alive mm -hmm. um maybe the celtics were second fiddle back then but that would be an interesting conversation to have with some real old school boston sports fans I, yeah i mean i think a lot of it had to do with uh once larry bird retired a lot of the uh the fringe fans might have yeah, just left that way and then you go, let's face it, you go 22 years without a title, right? You also have horrible management in place for years and years and years and years that make these horrible deals. You also have tragedy. Let's not forget this. You lose, and this is before your time, Corey, we had Len Bias. He was going to be, I'm not going to say he was going to be Michael Jordan, but he was going to be a superstar in the NBA. Celtics come off Rockets in 1986, then pick up Len Bias, and then he dies. Then you have a player like Reggie Lewis, an NBA All-Star, who was coming into his own, kind of coming out of the shadow, right? Mm -hmm. And then he dies. And then you have those unfortunate you know, tragedies happen, and then you couple that with horrible management, bad decisions, and it just, the whole franchise went to crap for a long, long time. Yeah, I was a youngster. I started watching... Uh... The season before, we had a chance to get Duncan. And, I mean, they were horrible. I thought they were great. I was a youngster. But they were they were bad. And then Patino comes along, uh, immediately just screws everything up, overanalyzes, comes in with his college attitude. And that's, you know, 15 years later, we're kind of back into it. Well, that's where I really make this conversation applicable to what's going on right now with the Celtics. And, and when I talk to younger fans, it's like, be patient. Do not make mistakes today that are going to set your franchise back a decade or two. Exactly. Yeah. Don't go trading draft picks for fringe veteran guys. Um, Absolutely. So you can what? Maybe have a shot, right? No. Patino made a mistake. I know he made a mistake with uh, the top and co. I don't know if you remember Vitaly. Oh, Vitaly. Yeah. I, it was like the 10th or 12th pick. Could have been Andre Miller, Sean Marion. So there you it's, go. <laughs> it's a it's a bad bad recent history. But oh, uh, it's horrible history. Going back to CLNS, can you talk about what's going on with uh, you know, Marriott sponsorships and Stitcher? 
Yeah, we have been blessed, Nick and I, through Beats and Eats, to develop this wonderful relationship we have with Stitcher Radio. Are you familiar with Stitcher Radio? Have you played around with it since I got familiar? I actually it? just went on uh, this past week, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a phone app. You can put it on your iPhone. You can also put it on your Android phone. And we were nominated for a Stitcher Award for their best food and wine show, Beats and Eats, was back in... I guess it was December and the award show was in January. We didn't win, but I flew down for the award ceremony to San Francisco and I met with a lot of people and met people from Stitcher. And since then I've I've opened a, or we, I should say, have opened a dialogue with them and developed great relationships with them. And they just happened to think that, that Beats and Eats was a great, great vehicle for them to show what podcasting is all about to the Renaissance. And that's how that all happened. They were working with the Renaissance on some sort of interesting idea. We were actually part of an event that day, Corey. I don't know if you're aware of this, called uh, the Day of Discovery, where Renaissance hotels all over the world have a special event at their individual locations. And this particular location in Boston wanted to do a podcast. And we got lucky because the Beats and Eats went from being Beats and Eats to also CLNS at the same time because it just happened coincidentally on draft mm -hmm. We, we would have still done an event there, but it wouldn't have looked like it did that night. So it just happened. That, draft. that helped a lot then, right? It was like the perfect storm. Everything absolutely fell together. Because initially what it was, when we had our starting discussions with the Renaissance, we were talking about interviewing some of their chefs, which is what we do on Beats and Eats some of the time, uh, about the restaurant, business, what they serve what are their inspirations, that kind of thing. But because draft night fell that night, we switched gears and made it a sports event, which, and also it was interesting too, Corey, now that I think about this, during the show, I was able to actually interview a brewer from one of the local beers in Portland, Maine, who's on tap at the, at the hotel. And we got him on. So it was a combination of both shows. So it worked out perfectly. Uh, do you remember what beer it was? Uh, peak organic. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good. It's yeah, of, it's out of Portland, Maine. Yeah, very good stuff. Yeah. Now, uh, who reached out to who? Was it did Stitcher kind of get a hold of you guys, or? Well, it's kind of funny. We had been talking, Nick and I, about reaching out to them to become part of their affiliate program. The bigger shows on their network are involved in affiliate programs that have sponsors. Well, we reached out to them about that, and they really didn't respond to that. But then a few days passed and we got an email from somebody at Stitcher and I can't remember their name right offhand who said hey would you guys be interested like on an on-site podcast with a revenue component we're like I'm in <laughs> absolutely now uh, where are you coming from are you out in the uh, northwest yeah I'm out in Tacoma which is about 30 miles south of Seattle how'd you uh, hook up with Nick uh, so it's a really, <laughs> it's kind of a long convoluted story, so I'll try to give you the short answer. Okay. Back in 2010, I started reading a lot of the Celtics blogs online. And one that I was really interested in was Celtics Town by Jay King. I don't know if you know who Jay King is. He works at Mass Live now. Mm -hmm. And I would read Jay's column every day. I thought he was, a, I still think he is an incredibly talented writer. And I started bugging him about the idea of doing a Celtics Town podcast. And after about a year, Nick finally, or uh, Jay finally agreed to do that. So we put together these rough shows, and Nick heard those shows and said, "Hey, why don't you guys do your Celtics Town podcast 
on CLNS radio. And that's how, huh. that's how I got on CLNS radio. And then Nick and my relationship kind of developed after that. And then one night, if you're wondering how beats and eats happen one night, Nick and I were talking basketball and we're talking about how we really get burned out a little bit, not a little bit, but after a while you get burned out talking about the same things in regards to the Celtics. I mean, I can only talk about Jeff Green so much. <laughs> and I said, there's so much more to us than just Boston Celtics basketball. Nick has a really, really impressive food background, both as a, a restaurant owner and a food consultant. I have a background where I've been in sports for more than two decades, but I've also interviewed celebrities and chefs. I even hosted a cooking show once, which I won't get into. It was a very small part of my career, and I don't cook, by the way. But I love music. Uh, I've interviewed musicians. And I said to Nick, I said, why don't we do a show where we put all of this together? And then the name Beats and Eats came to us, and we just started to do it. It was just kind of one of those things we wanted to do once in a while. And we started to get celebrities that wanted to be on the show. So we started to think to ourselves, this we, we really might be on to something. And we made it a, a regular broadcast. And ever since then, it's taken off. And if you look, we even turned it into a network. With We've got other shows on the network with celebrity chefs and actors and actresses. And, and so it's really kind of taken on a, you know, really a life of its own. It's very exciting because I think that the best days are clearly yet to come. Exactly. When, uh, what year did that begin? Uh, this is the amazing thing, Corey, is that we really went public with Beats and Eats in October of 2013. So it's been less than a year that all of this has happened. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, really cool. Since you uh, began, have you noticed like a change in, uh, in the way podcasts are, uh, are formed and how they're broadcasted? Well, I think so. I think every day everybody is striving to do the best quality podcast. I'm not just talking about in terms of just content. I'm talking about in, in terms of how they sound. And if you listen to Nick and my old podcast, we originally did it on a service called Blog Talk Radio, and we took live callers. And we did that for a while. We didn't like the way it sounded. The callers really didn't add a whole lot to the show. In fact, they broke up the, you know, the, the momentum of the show, we felt. Mm -hmm. So we got away from that. Then we went away from blog talk, talk radio to recording our own shows. And we were learning as we went. So some of those shows almost had like an AM radio quality to them. Pretty grainy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, if you listen to our shows, most of them sound crystal clear. So we're almost where we want to be in terms of uh, audio quality. But we're seeing that all over, all over the podcast uh, universe as people are really working on getting the best sound possible. Because think about it, if you're in your car and you want to listen to a podcast, it's hard enough with like all the extracurricular noise that's going around in your car. You want to be able to have the, the best, I don't want to say signal because it's not a signal, but the best recording possible of the podcast that you put together so people can hear exactly what you're doing. Do you think there will ever be a point where uh, podcasts kind of replace uh, your, your AM or FM dial in your radio? Boy, I think we're seeing it right now, Corey. Uh, I think we're seeing it more and more automobile companies are putting podcast apps into their vehicles. Stitcher, for instance, is in like BMW and Ford and Mercedes-Benz and Volvo. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty cool to me to think that if you dial up Stitcher and you own a Mercedes-Benz, you can search for Beats and Eats and we're right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, the only thing that I think needs to be figured out for the podcast world and podcast apps is 
how do you deal with live events like breaking news events? That's the only thing. I think that's the hardest part. It's all since it's all pre-recorded, it's hard to get those yeah. those breaking stories. It is hard. So it's almost like you have to get on it immediately. Mm -hmm. Just like yeah. kind of how you guys did um, just recently when uh, LeBron James made his right. uh, his second decision. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. What's well, funny to bring that up? Uh, last year, when Garnett and Pierce got traded, if you go back and look at what time they were traded, it was really late on the East Coast. I think it was like 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. Yep. rather. And I saw it come down, and I debated whether or not to go live on the air with a. So I went on the air using Blog Talk Radio, and I took callers. And I'll be damned, man, if for two hours I got phone calls after that, and that was like one o'clock in the morning east coast time Jeez. they all uh were they mostly west coast callers or no not at all they were they were a lot of east coast calls and some from all over the world so but there there was just uh, a lot of emotion that night mm -hmm. that was running with the trade of uh, pierce and garnett that people just wanted to to voice their opinion so getting back to your original question do i see it replacing terrestrial radio that's a that's a real tough question i see a lot of Companies like Clear Channel that own, you know, they're like the Death Star of terrestrial radio stations. You know, they're involved in in on demand. Look at iHeartRadio. So they clearly know that the market is changing, and that's my biggest concern too. Is that corporations come in and, and destroy the the independence of podcasting? That's one worry I do have. Now, um, have you and Nick sort of developed a? sort of like chemistry going back and forth with these podcasts. I know when, probably when you first started, it was pretty foreign. Um, were there any struggles in the beginning? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think we struggled to find our place. We are a duo, so we both have different personalities, and I think that they've meshed well. Uh, I really love to interview people. Uh, Nick loves to play off me, and it seems to work. Uh, it works perfectly, and we've learned a lot about ourselves too. I mean, you got to think that we hadn't even met when we started doing this podcast, and we didn't meet until April. So we started doing this podcast way back in October, Jeez. and we met for the first time in April, and we actually had to do a live event. We actually had to co-host a live event together. So that was interesting, and it all worked out fine, and, and we've developed a, a very good friendship and relationship on the air. So uh, it has been interesting. It's an interesting concept to think that you can host a show without meeting somebody. That is, but, yeah. Yeah. Huh. But it's, uh, but, but it's, uh, it's worked really well, and I think we've learned a lot about each other, good and bad, since uh, doing the podcast. And, and uh, just like any team, you know, any duo – we have our strengths and our weaknesses, and we don't get along all the time. But I think that's to be expected, and I think that makes for also for a strong friendship and uh, and duo uh, is just appreciating the differences that you have. Was there ever any uh, any practice runs, or was it kind of like uh, trial by error, or just go right into it? Just trial by error. Yeah. If you really want to kick, uh, go back to some of our early blog talk radio beats and eat shows. We have some real funny ones on there. You might want to. <laughs> I think the very first topic we ever discussed, Corey, serious, uh, I'm serious when I say this, was Anthony Weiner's penis, I think, was the very first topic. We remember that whole thing? Jesus, yeah, I remember that. Jesus. Yeah. That's an interesting so, first topic to cover. Yeah, we were like, where are we going with this? <laughs> that was the first thing we brought up. We had callers. 
it was just insane. We were all over the map. Now our shows are much more focused. Is there a challenge in uh, taking callers? Yeah, because you never know where they're going to take you. You could have, you could have a real solid groove you're in. You know, where you're both feeding off one another, shows clicking, and if you take a caller and it's a negative, then that brings you down. Or if it's a crazy call, it could take you in the in the wrong direction and really kind of bring down the entire show. It's interesting. I just talked to a guy who's a legend in the broadcasting industry. His name's Jimbo Hannon. You can look him up. He has a late night show that's been on forever nationwide. He's syndicated. And he just flat out told me one day on the air, I interviewed him for a, a local AM radio show that I was hosting. He just told me on the air, Ty, callers are overrated. Callers are overrated. Content is king. And that's true. Content is king. Good content uh, is what's important. The caller may be, think about this, the caller may be entertained by their question or what they have to say, but is the rest of the audience. And that's who you're really serving. Yeah, I think it, it all depends on the caller. I mean, if you get a good caller, you get you strike up a new topic, you strike, a, strike up a good conversation, I think that can kind of help uh, carry a show a little bit. But if you get somebody who's just rambling on or just making the worst points possible, it kind of... Derail a show. Well, and and you know, I'll admit, last year I had a really hard time hosting Celtic shows because we take a lot of live callers on CLNS Radio, and I got really tired. And I, I'll be honest here, of talking about people. Talk, they wanted to all they wanted to talk about was Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker, and tanking. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I I got really sick of the conversation. I'm like, can we talk about the guys that we have on the court right now? Instead of guys that we don't have. And nowhere last year in any of those conversations was Marcus Smart mentioned. So yeah, he wasn't uh, he wasn't involved in any conversations. No. <laughs> so that really got old for me. And then I feel like I was somewhat vindicated when the Cleveland Cavaliers ended up getting the top pick in the draft. And there's a club that was trying to make the playoffs. They weren't tanking. They went out and signed Luel Dang. Remember, they were trying to actually make the playoffs. They didn't tank. So the draft and the lottery is a crapshoot, and I just never understood why people would want to watch 82 games and root for your team to lose just what? So you can get Andrew Wiggins, who, by the way, has a horrible shot we're discovering. Yeah. I think uh, the NBA as a whole – I guess for better or worse, I think it's kind of uh, spiking popularity a little bit, but it's as if the off season is more important than the actual regular season in the playoffs. I'm, I'm sure more people recognize LeBron James and what he's done this off season, as opposed to what, you know, San Antonio Spurs did last season. That actually, Corey, that bothers me as a fan, as a kind of like, a, I don't want to call myself a purist. I'm not that stuffy. But San Antonio Spurs just made a mockery of LeBron James. And that series wasn't even close. It was practically, well, no, I I guess game two, the Heat came from behind, what, and won by two points, I think it was. They won game two by two points. Yeah, they did, yeah. Uh, But the final three games, as I say, it was like the Harlem Globetrotters against the Washington Generals. It was just a blowout, blowout city. It was pretty amazing to watch. It was, yet we're celebrating LeBron James. I don't know if it's LeBron James week right now on ESPN or not. I get it's all about ratings. It's all about publicity, marketing, pop culture. But the fact that the Spurs this year were able to retain Popovich, sign him to an extension, 
Tim Duncan back in the fold. Tony Parker wasn't even, I don't think, healthy in that NBA Finals. I don't believe so. No. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, you know, Dial, Manu Ginobili. Hey, Matt Bonner just signed today. Yeah. New Hampshire guy. <laughs> my, uh, my point is, here is a true dynasty that's won, what, five titles? Should have been a six. Let's face it, last year, the Heat, I don't want to call it luck, but... They came from behind with five, you know, what, 35 seconds down, five points or whatever. They needed, it was a crazy... they needed a lot of things to go right, and they did. They needed a rebound yeah. to bounce right to Chris Bosh, who fed it to Ray Allen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or we're not even talking. Or actually, I think the Heat were broken up last year if that, ha- if that didn't happen. Right. So my point being that we're not celebrating the guys that deserve to be celebrated, which are the San Antonio Spurs for the incredible franchise and team basketball that they play. And instead, we're celebrating celebrity. Off-season, yeah. Carmelo, LeBron. No, yeah. No, no gripe against LeBron James. Clearly the best player in the game. But enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the Cavs will win the title next year. I don't. I don't see that happening. We gotta, Do you? No, no. I mean, you have to see from Kyrie first. People forget yeah. he hasn't played the full season yet. Even going back to uh, Duke, just one year at Duke. Um I mean, he won the All-Star Game MVP, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, As we won a playoff game, uh, that team is full of a lot of inexperienced players. Of course, Verishow goes way back with LeBron. If they get Kevin Love, Kevin Love's never won a playoff game. He's never, he yeah, he's never been games. one, yeah. So uh, what happens with them? I don't know. I still favor Indiana uh, overall in the East if we're looking ahead to next year. So. It's been a it's been a trying week for me. I'm glad it's over with. I want to move on, but it's like you can't turn on your TV without anything LeBron James. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen, especially for somebody who just lost. I know exactly. It's LeBron has kind of taken over SportsCenter, and he pretty much owns ESPN. Him and Johnny Football, unfortunately. That's it. Yeah, because they want ratings. They want ratings, yeah. and they drive the ratings. So it's not about once again. In this case, to me, it's not about content necessarily. It's about flash over substance, and you're not going to get a lot of people to tune in to an interview with Tim Duncan. I guess. I don't think he'd give them. <laughs> no, you, you can't. So, yeah, that's my general yeah. feeling right now. And I'm hoping, of course, the Celtics can get involved in that discussion. But we'll see. I still think Danny's got an ace up his sleeve here. I'm, I have faith in him. I hope so. Now, um, you, you mentioned Nick. Sort of his background is in uh, your restaurant managing. Yeah, well, he, he actually owned a restaurant. Okay, and uh, how did you begin? Were you um, did you have a different background, or was it in uh, yeah, journalism? I, I knew, yeah, I always knew I wanted to be a broadcaster ever since I was a little kid, man. Way before you were born, Corey, man. Monday Night Football, Howard Cosell. You know, I was glued to that. I always knew that I wanted to be a broadcaster. I remember the days, you know, I didn't have the internet, Corey. It would be me in a tape recorder, you know, playing board games, football board games and doing play by play, rolling the dice and doing play by play and keeping the stats and the whole thing. And I pretty much knew I always wanted to be a sportscaster. And then I went to Washington State University, home of Keith Jackson, if you're familiar with Keith Jackson. Uh, college football guy, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's where I went to school. Uh, and got on the radio immediately when I stepped foot on campus, was on radio for four years, got involved in their TV program, made the mistake once I graduated of getting out of broadcasting. I had a girlfriend who didn't want to move. You get the idea. I, don't, I won't bore you with the details. And so I just kind of lingered for two years. And then finally I said, you know what, I'm going to get into TV. And it took a while. And I spent 20 years in local affiliate television. Most recently I worked uh, in Denver 
from 2000 to 2005. I covered the Nuggets. I covered the Broncos. I covered the Rockies and the Avalanche. The cool thing about covering the Avalanche is they actually won the cup with Ray Bork yeah. while I was there. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, That was really kind of a fun experience. Uh, you know, I got a little bit older, didn't want to move around so much and got out of broadcasting and got into sales and that's kind of where I'm at now, you know, doing CLNS beats and eats and just doing other things. But uh, I miss it. But the industry's changed a lot. If you think about it, Corey, do you really stay up at night anymore to watch the 11 o'clock news? No, no. because you, you get all the information on your phone, right, or on the Internet. And think about when I broke into the television industry, there was none of that. So people would actually make an appointment TV to watch me to find out what the scores were, watch the highlights and all. They don't do that anymore. Do you think that's a good thing? Uh, I, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, everything changes. And I think we live in a society now where we want answers right now. That's what Twitter's all about. Right. So I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with it. I just didn't, I guess for me professionally, I wish I'd have seen it coming so I could have transitioned a little bit quicker. I wish I could have found my space in the media quicker, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. Because I was doing my best work when I was in Denver and then suddenly it was just over. You know, it was just over. Those jobs really don't exist anymore. Or if they exist, Corey, they don't pay like they did when I first broke into the industry. Now, um, CLNS is, is nationwide sports, but it's based in Boston, covers mostly Boston sports. With, you know, all the sports covers, Twitter, in a, in a market like Boston that's so dense, do you think there's still a need for coverage that CLNS kind of brings? I, I think so. I think so. And we also have our niche too, Corey, is that we are, like I said, we're the only uh, Boston post game show, Celtics post game show. We even do a Bruins post game show, by the way, too. We're credentialed by the Bruins, but we're credentialed by the Celtics for every single home game. And we are on YouTube. If you watch the garden report, we actually do a post game show from separate from the, the radio post game show. We also do a video post game show right from TD garden right there. So I think we are head and shoulders above most that are trying to compete with us in covering covering the Celtics. So absolutely, I think uh, there's more than enough room for us. And I think we're also very creative and innovative with uh, the people that we have on the network in terms of not just the writing, but our ability to the ability to get guests. We have some of the best guests I've ever seen uh, on a sports network. If, if you follow any of our shows like Celtics Beat, Boston Sports Connection, those just to name a few. I'll take our shows against anybody's, and I'm not just saying that. Now, do you, you think there is a challenge in having having a staff pr produce great work without getting compensated for it? Well, we're hoping certainly that that's on the horizon, but I, I think so. Mm -hmm. I, I think it makes it difficult. Uh, I'll give you an example. The other day, like when LeBron James signed, you know, we're trying to scramble around to make sure that that story uh, is written and on the website immediately because that's breaking news. Mm -hmm. It certainly makes it difficult when people are scattered and all doing different things. People are at work. I know. I was. I was at work. I, uh, of course. I can take a so, you know a lunch break to do that, but other than that, it's kind of difficult. That's exactly right. It's mm -hmm. very difficult to do. It's very difficult to do. We were man We had people step up and do that. So those are some of the kind of challenges when people are actually working at a job where they're being compensated, and then trying to ask them to, to to put up a breaking news story. It's very difficult. It's very challenging for us. But the goal, of course, 
uh, has always been to make sure that our staff gets compensated. And I think we're on the way, especially with the way things are growing. And you were talking earlier in this podcast about our relationship with Stitcher and Marriott, and it's through relationships like that. I think that's a good sign, Corey, mm-hmm. that we're on our way. When we have a huge hotel chain like that uh, recognize us for, for our potential, I think that's a pretty amazing thing. And I also want to point something out about Stitcher, and I bring this up all the time because it still blows my mind. Did you know that 90% of Android downloads are done through the Stitcher app? No, I didn't know that. Think about that. 90%, 90% of all podcast downloads are done through, on Android, huh. on Android, yeah. are done the Stitcher application. That's pretty impressive. I, that's good. They are by far the head and shoulders app when it comes to downloading podcasts. And they've recognized Beats and Eats and Seal on Us Radio. So I think that that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, if they recognize us, 90% of the population gets their podcast through them. I mean, that's a, that's a huge for challenge. Android. Yeah. For an Android phone, right. At this point, do you and Nick uh, devote most of your time to seal on us? I think we, boy, that's it's really kind of a balance. Our staff is larger at CLNS, so I think it's only natural to say that we devote more time to CLNS. But we do have uh, a smaller staff at Beats and Eats that we spend a lot of time with, helping them craft their podcast, helping get them guests. You know, I'm kind of in the process now of trying to get some sponsorships over there. So I think more goes into CLNS right now, but that's only because there's more people. Okay. Now, if you had to say, I mean, wishing or whatever, five years from now, where would you like to see uh, CLNS at? Where would you like to see them at? I would hope that we would have multiple credentials for all sports. Uh, I would hope we would have people in the press box at Fenway Park at TD Garden for all games. Uh, I would hope we'd be at Foxborough covering the the Patriots. I would hope that, uh, honestly, I I would hope that our network is so big that we are competing against the likes of Nesson. Really, that's kind of like where I'd like us to be at and talking about some things that aren't even on our radar screen right now, things that we can't even see. Think about all of the technological advances we've seen in the last 10 years. We don't really know what's on the horizon. So if I had a hope five years from now, we're on the cutting edge of what is out there. That's what I hope would And of course, we're all making lots of money in the process. Now, uh, anything else you'd like to say on, uh, you know, on no, I just, I, I just, I'm just pleased, Corey, that, you know, you're with us. It's going to be people like you, uh, young talent that keep this, this great movement and energy we have going. It's going to take people like you, Corey, and I know I speak for Nick, and I try not to speak for other people, but I know he feels the same way that I do, where uh, I, I just want to thank you for, first of all, wanting to spend time with me today to tell the story, but also, you know, time time to me, Corey, is the most valuable thing. There's nothing more valuable than time, right? Mm-hmm. You are devoting your time to us, and so I, I, I can't thank you more than I than I possibly can for devoting your time to us. No, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I went to school for journalism, kind of got out of it for a little bit, but I'm, uh, I'm glad to be back uh, you know, doing what I love. Yeah, and really, uh, take it from somebody who's been around, uh, you gotta do what you love in life, mm-hmm. you do. I know it's hard, and money comes into play and other factors, but you have to do what you love or you'll be miserable, you really do.
I agree. I agree. It's only so much money that can uh, can buy happiness, yeah. right? You can't afford not to do the things you love. You pay too much of a price for doing that. And at this point, with uh, you know the way things are with you know Twitter and uh, creating your own blogs, podcasts, it's kind of a do-it-yourself uh, kind of environment out there. So yeah, it's all on you. That, that's exactly right. And I think for a long time, Corey, I sat around after my TV and radio experiences and I was a little lost for about a year or two. Uh, and I just said to myself, you know what? Okay, fine. Nobody really is interested in me anymore. I'll, I'll do my own thing. I'll do my own thing. I'll make my own way. And uh, that's what I did. And I'm fortunate enough to be along with Nick at CLNS and Beats and Eats and things of, who knows, man, I, I'm really excited about where the future takes us. And I, and uh, I'm glad you're along for the ride, Corey. Oh, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been uh, it's been good talk with you. Yeah. Hey, take care, Corey. And once again, thanks for thank you for your support. Thank you for being at the event. Uh, and I'm sorry this got prolonged. That was a crazy night uh, that night, draft night. But uh, I'm glad we were able to do this. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, you guys had important important sponsors to talk to. Uh, so I mean, it was it was great coming out and uh, putting some of the faces, names, and meeting some people. It was good. Yeah. Thanks for your support, man. Take care. Yeah, thanks, Doc. Good talking to you. Bye. Same here. Thank you for tuning in for this in-depth conversation between Beats and Eats, CLNS Radio co-owner Ty Ray, and CLNS Radio reporter Corey Prescott. As you can imagine from listening to the conversation, CLNS Radio and Beats and Eats offers a package or menu of affordable advertising packages for both public appearances and on-air endorsements by our roster of esteemed sports podcasters and celebrities from the Hollywood community. Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in inquiring more about your next public event, please email info at clnsradio.com and your inquiry will be responded to within 24 to 48 hours by our friendly, courteous, and helpful service staff of sales professionals. Thanks so much for listening. This is Nick Gelso at Twitter handle CLNS underscore Nick. We'll catch you next time for this week's editions of Beats and Eats and CLNS Radio.